0: Welcome to Central Line, the AHA podcast. This is the official podcast of the American Animal Hospital Association, dedicated to simplifying the journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine for every member of the veterinary team. Here's your host, Dr. Katie Berlin.
1: Hi, welcome back to Central Line. I'm your host, Katie Berlin, and we have a very special guest with us today. Um, Those of you who are going to be joining us at AHA Con will actually see her up on the main stage for our keynote. Um, But if you're not gonna be there, we'll miss you, but at least you don't have to miss our guest, Dr. Rebecca Heiss. Welcome Hi! you so
0: much for having me. Oh yeah. my gosh! Thanks so much for having me on, Katie. I'm really excited about it.
1: This is this is super fun because um, you have a unique perspective on our profession in that you are married <laughs> to a veterinarian but are not a veterinarian yourself, and so you probably see and hear quite a lot of what we're used to talking about. But you are you aren't that's not your daily life in and out. So, um, so I'm really curious to know what that's like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> It's interesting, you know, and it's so funny too because I—I I I think I told you this earlier when we were off—off um, off camera. But I always thought that I wanted to be a veterinarian, mm. uh, and I had some. We can we can go into the whole story, but I had some pretty major um, imposter syndrome, which I. Not even imposter syndrome, because I hate that. I hate, gosh, I'm going to start this right off, right off on a strong note. Do it. Let's stop. Let's stop talking about imposter syndrome like it's something that we have to fix. Right. What garbage, right? Like imposter syndrome, first of all, it's like, I feel like the syndrome part is this, the new hysteria, yeah. Yeah. you know? Yes. When the system all is up. broken, mm-hmm. Yeah. when the system is broken, it's not on you to fix it. Anyway, that little rant aside, I, um, I never felt good enough to be a vet. I was like top of my class, 4.0 all the way through college and grad school and still was like, oh, it's really competitive. I don't know if I can do it. My husband, on the other hand, for those of you that know him, Dermot Jevons, he he had no doubts about it. You know, he went straight straight through vet school, came to the States um, and was just like having fun, trying to figure out where he was going to um, do his, uh, his follow-up work. And so he...
1: I can't relate he to has that. has given
0: me... Yeah, right. I know. I know. I'm like... He's giving me this totally new perspective of like, well, why wouldn't you? Like, yeah. why, why wouldn't you just show up and go on a tour across the US and go to all of the top grad schools and, and figure out where? I'm like, because they might say no. Like, yeah. what, how, that's horrifying. Yes. You know, it's, it's, it's that whole journey with him. Um, so today, you know, living with him, I've had this privilege of having, you know, a lot of insight into the quite if I I may say a quite painful world right now of consolidation and Mm -hmm. um, all of the major stressors that are happening in the industry uh, without having to live it day to day. And so that's been, um, it's been a very interesting space to be an observer of that, of that. And I'm I'm grateful not to be in it. I have to say, like, I hate that because I love everything that, um, you know, veterinary medicine is, is doing. I love, I love that how you care for people. I love how you care for pets. Um, and, and for one another. And I feel like the very best of the industry is getting squeezed out right now. So that's my that's my outsider's perspective.
1: Well, I think it can be validating too for those of us who are in it and kind of feel that way a little bit, like Vet Med is having kind of an identity crisis right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a lot of us are feeling that squeeze no matter what area we work in in the profession. And yeah. um, seeing, you know, having somebody who's technically outside the profession in that you're not working directly in it um, is having somebody outside validate that, um, and say, this is what I'm seeing, um, can actually be a little bit of a relief, I think, yeah. because it yeah. means we're not like, we don't need to sort of gaslight ourselves into thinking like, okay, that's these right. feelings aren't real. And it's just
0: us. Um, that's right. But, there's no syndrome, right? There's, there's no, no syndrome. syndrome. It's real. Yeah, yeah. I see it. Yeah. Yes.
1: And imposter syndrome, you know, I, I hate the name, but I also don't I feel like I've seen a lot of quotes, you know, like I think Adam Grant had one recently that was like, imposter syndrome means that um, you're, you know, you're facing something that you don't necessarily feel like you have control over that you are good, quote, quote, unquote, good enough to do yet. But with that growth (laughs) mindset, there's no reason that you can't feel comfortable in that space. And if you're not feeling that imposter syndrome, you might not be pushing yourself. And so it could be a really good sign.
0: That's it. I love that. I I often talk about imposter syndrome as this, um, like when we're little kids, you know, we're looking around and we're like, oh my gosh, there's Janie and she's falling off of her bike and there's Joey and he's falling off his, and we're all falling off bikes and it's great. And then we hit a certain age, mm-hmm. right? And we look around and we're like, oh my gosh, nobody's falling off of bikes. Yeah. Because and nobody nobody's can talking see me about up. it, right? Yeah. Right. So, so I'm not going to do it. So I'm just going to be the one and everybody else knows the things and I don't know the things, but I'm not going to let them know that I don't know the things. And we end up, right? We end up just like not falling off bikes because we stop trying to ride new bikes, Yeah, which is a shame, Yeah, right? It's an absolute shame. Um, but we've got this kind of a shared sort of ignorance, yeah, the fact that everybody else is sitting in the same space of, of fear.
1: Yeah. This is very indicative of our first conversation where I felt like I'd <laughs> met you before. Um, but we got right into the meaty stuff and, um, people don't even necessarily know what you actually do. (laughs) Um, No, it's it's my bad. But I that all is really interesting. And it it ties into what you actually do for a living. We know you're not a vet, but that is not a good introduction to what you actually do. So um, so would you mind just letting people know what you do do and what your areas of focus are?
0: Sure. Although I think it would be really fun to go through this entire podcast. And, and just, just have not people say it. The whole time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I'm, I'm a stress physiologist by trade. My PhD is in stress physiology. Um, and I studied evolution and human behavior. Short version of a much longer story is that I am now a, a keynote speaker. And I get to travel the world and help people transform their fear into fuel that they can use. So help their brains kind of work for them rather than against them.
1: Love that. That's I yeah, yeah, thanks. we could, we could all use that. That was a very um, compact <laughs> way to sum up what you do.
0: <laughs> I, you know, I You've usually, had to do this before concise, a few times, but yeah, that one, that one I've
1: done. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, before we get into um, the rest of our, our conversation, I, I like to learn a little bit more about our guests when we have them on, like, so they're, people and not just like voices spouting wisdom, not that that's not important. Um, But I was wondering, do you have Um, In a couple of the previous episodes of this podcast, we've talked about third spaces where like right now we're Dr. So-and-so or we're so-and-so LVT or we're, you know, we feel like we have to be expert in something all the time and we're on all the time. And then we go home and we're a mom or a wife or, um, you know, a partner and we feel like we are constantly playing that role. Is there a place, a third space where you can go where you're not Rebecca Heist PhD or a wife where you can just be you
0: yeah and i'm so glad you asked that i mean this is this is the third time you've kind of asked me this you know Mm. once when we were talking initially Mm -hmm. once in a nice prep email thank you and here I, i thought i would be prepared to answer this and here i am like tearing up again at this question because i just think it's so incredibly powerful you know it's so easy for us to wear the masks of mom lvt vet tech spouse book club member you know whatever it is yeah and um and I will tell you, I fell into that trap in a massive, massive way for most of my life, even up to just a couple of years ago. And I was racing from city to city, you know, being Dr. Heiss and, and here's my book and all the things. And, um, and I lost track of just being, being able to be, um, and I was very, very intentional in these last two years to create community here at home and, um, and fiercely protected. So I have mm-hmm. this incredible running group, um, my my tribe my intentional tribe of friends that yeah you know they're they're a group of mentors they're a group of friends they are old young wise uh humans that i get to just just be with and it's a it's a gift that i would wish for everyone in this place to to have an opportunity to share
1: love that yeah running group has served that purpose for me too um met a lot of really amazing people through running and there's something about being on a run with someone too where you're just like It's kind of like this for me, like, well, I don't have a lot of boundaries (laughs) anyway, like I'm always too too personal, but like there's some, I think the running really encourages that because you're not making eye contact, you're running next to someone, you're like going through physical, something physically hard. And so there aren't a lot of like walls up and runners just talk about everything. Like, it's nothing's so off true.
0: limits. <laughs> it's so true. And I think part of it, you know, like, I'm really gross. I, I am. <laughs> like, I sweat profusely. I'm, like, snot rocketing. Sorry to your yep. viewers that had to yep. do that. Yep. Like, the back you know, sweat, yeah. Yeah, all, yeah, all mm-hmm. of the bodily functions come out, and you just become superhuman. Yep. You know, you're just like, hey, here's all of me. I smell bad. I, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and it's, I don't know, it's lovely. It it really does break down all of those barriers that um that hold people apart in a false way, so. I love yeah.
1: It. Yeah, and the farther the run, the more that becomes true. Oh like gosh. ultra runners. That, that oh my be gosh! one mile for me, by the
0: way. <laughs> yeah, I mean I one mile in some days. I'm, yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, for sure. Like you've been waiting all week to like dish to these people because you know it's a safe space. So that's yeah, really great. I'm glad that. you have that, and you're in Greenville, which is um, has a really it's a really great running city. So
0: I know it's lovely. We've got the Swamp Rabbit Trail. Any any of y'all that are listening that are in Greenville, hit me up. We'll we'll go for
1: so let's get into it well you're speaking at aha con and which is in yeah. just a couple weeks now oh my gosh yeah it's three weeks I um <laughs> and you're going to be giving the keynote which is very exciting something you're apparently very used to um so we're very lucky to have you can you give us like a, a kind of a high level view of what you're going to be talking about
0: yeah sure although i have to say um i'm nervous for this one i i I'm like really genuinely in my gut scared. You are a professional exciting. keynote speaker. Nervous know, for this wait, one. Let's, let's reiterate that. Well, I love and, and that. I think, <laughs> I think so much of that. I'm, I'm trying a lot of new content with you all mm. um, because I want this to feel, I mean, this is, this is aha con. You guys have completely reinvented yourself and i want to reinvent myself as well to to match that energy and so i'm showing up with really fresh content with a really fresh show honestly i think this is going to be more of a show than a keynote there is a lot of audience participation um and the the high level overview of the content is just it's simply that stress isn't going anywhere right it's not going anywhere so how do we begin to work with it um rather than fight it all the time so we'll we'll go through a a series of stories um, from my life, from other people's lives on how we can recalibrate our brains um, to respond differently to stress, how we can reframe those threats as challenges, and then ultimately how we can realign to allow stress um, to become our best friend and really uh, work with it and and have it help us in our performance rather than hinder us.
1: That sounds like a like a pipe dream and I'm very excited to
0: hear what you say because I think um
1: the idea of stress being our best friend is something that um it it sounds great and also like how (laughs) so I'm really excited
0: I hear you I hear you (laughs) and and I I want to warn your viewers like um and your listeners like it's not a magic pill yeah it's it's still work it's still work and and listen I I like to get people excited about it because I I'm so passionate about this and I really do believe we have the opportunity to create that, that stress is the best friend kind of, kind of situation. But it mm-hmm. doesn't mean I can give you this pill and like magically everything disappears. Yeah. Right? I, I, I still struggle with stress. We all struggle with stress. It's a, it's a reality of all of our lives. Um, yeah, but there are definitely techniques that I think I can help with. So I'm, I'm excited for that too. You
1: know, I'm in hearing you say that you're you're a little nervous for it. Um actually, like one of the reasons I love that is because for anybody who has imposter syndrome about literally anything, you know, like you do this all the time and you're still you yeah. still get nervous about it. Like you can spay a million dogs and still get a little nervous when you go in. I mean, I would honestly probably want my surgeon to be a little bit nervous. There's a lot resting on on doing a good job, you know. Exactly. Um, but exactly. Also, oh, sorry. Well, <laughs> when you're a little nervous, I feel like that's sometimes where the best performances come out, right? Because that energy just fuels you. And um, that's good stress.
0: That's exactly it. I mean, we can talk about the whole U curve, or uh, you know, of, of stress and performance. And that if you have no stress, first of all, that's a dead person's goal. Nobody has right. no stress, but right. you don't want no stress, right? You <laughs> want a little bit of stress to raise you to that highest level of performance. Yeah. And in fact, the people that I mean, stress is really—it's it's a barometer for how much you care. Sometimes, yeah, you know, if you really, really care about something, you're going to be really stressed about it. Yeah, and that's so that's a really interesting way to think about things. I think because if you have zero stress, I'll. I'll tell a quick story. I, I used to climb trees um, kind of professionally. That can't be a quick story. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying in my head to make this a quick story. And I'm like, how far do I have to go into these details? Um, so I, I studied crows, the American crows, for a, a decade. Um, oh. And we had a marked population. And in order to get to the nestlings, you have to climb these 100-foot tall trees. Um, which actually I was doing right around Cornell. So I know a lot of your listeners probably, probably were at the vet school there and they might've seen tagged birds. Those were my babies. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, so I, I remember climbing one day and I was up in a, you know, 120 feet above a gorge and the, the wind is blowing and I'm right at the top of a tree and I had zero adrenaline. I had zero stress response and I stopped climbing that day. Because wow. what I realized is that, like that, those are the moments if you're, if you have trained yourself to be that comfortable in this, in an actual life and that situation, it's, it's a problem, right? That's when yeah. climbers die. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I quit, I quit climbing for a bit, um, and had to, had to return to it to get that adrenaline going again. Um, yeah, I think stress is a is a really important thing for a lot of reasons. I'm just um, anxious I'm anxious <laughs> thinking
1: about you at the top of that tree. Like just thinking know, about it I is know. making my, my heart rate pick up a little bit. Like I don't do well with heights. So oh, well, um, Yeah. I'm not sure that would happen to me, but <laughs>
0: Listen, give it some time. I promise we can get you there. It's, it's all about yeah, no. stress and right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll <laughs> stay scared. That's fine. <laughs> so so you yep. said, um, you know, you said you struggle with stress sometimes. And mm-hmm. when we talked initially when we met and you had said that people ask you, they just like assume that you don't get stressed out because you research stress and talk about it all the right. time. And you're like, right. oh, no. <laughs> so can you talk about that a little bit, like how your relationship with stress has changed and what you tell people when they say things like that?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, the the first thing that I would tell people is like, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's just a complete illusion. Um, just because somebody is an expert in it doesn't, doesn't mean that they've got it all figured out. You know, we're, we're constantly, I think, evolving and, and growing ourselves and, um, and my relationship with stress has, has gotten a lot better. I mean, when I first started studying it, I think we sometimes study the things that we need the most for ourselves. Mm-hmm, and so I right? I specifically started studying imposter syndrome and like enoughness and worthiness and all of this. And like, I literally have people clap for me for a living. So that should tell you everything you need to know.
1: about. <laughs> um, yeah, well, <laughs> talk, to, talk to any dietitian, registered dietitian right? about their relationship with food, right? Most, most exactly. of it's coming out of a place of, of need, personal need
0: yeah yeah so i, I started feeling stress because i found myself stressed out all the time and i needed mm. some some management techniques and and what i'll say is you know i the techniques work you know i'm a, I'm a strong believer in science uh mm-hmm. i use science to my advantage and i still lose it at times and i think it's so important that people see that and recognize that um one of the the best techniques i have for managing my own stress is uh is granting myself quick forgiveness. It's like, mm. I call it fast forgiveness, right? Um, okay, that happened. You got, you're, you're really, you're really over the top, Beck, pull it back. What, how would you react if this was a friend? Um, and really, you know, giving myself the sort of emotional distance to look at the situation through the lens of, a, of my best friend and saying, all right, what advice would you give to her? Mm. How would you treat this person who just lost their mind <laughs> and like needs a little coaching? And that's been a, that's been a really helpful technique for me. But, um, yeah, I'm not. I'm certainly not perfect, and I haven't achieved the like Zen state. And I would warn yeah. you if anybody ever tells you that they're like in this perfect peaceful place of stress. I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe run
1: away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I believe in better living through chemistry, but that might be taking it a little too far. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yes. yeah. I'm with you on that. <laughs> totally. um, right, right. You know, we we had a guest on the podcast last year, um, Steve Magnus, who's an author mm-hmm. and performance coach and um, athlete, and. He had said something about like a technique that he talks about, where you you kind of talk to yourself in the third person. So yeah. you're like, you know, Katie. Katie is feeling like she has too much on her plate, and she's really regretting having overcommitted. And it's like <laughs> that just that one switch helps yeah. helps make you think about it as like if this were another person, you would give them so much more grace. Like especially in the veterinary profession, we're we're such an empathic group. Yeah. yeah. And yet we really struggle to turn that eye on ourselves.
0: And yet we are the hardest on ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a big part of my keynote actually is, ah, is being able to right. create that space. Yeah. Preview, yeah. So I, I don't yes. want to give it all away, but okay. Yeah, let's, we'll switch the subject. Really quick. There.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it takes, you know, it, it's one of those things where I think, um, you know, like when we talked before I had mentioned Addison's disease. Because to me, like the first thing I think of when you say like absence of stress is I think of the Addisonian dog that comes in with no stress hormone at all. And like, Dogs do not typically, like the dogs that we see in our like, especially higher end practices, like don't have a particularly stressful life. Like they sit on the couch and they go for a walk and they get in the car. Yeah, Yeah, my dog isn't even in here today because he couldn't be bothered to come out from under his blanket that he's under downstairs while he's snoring softly in the middle of the day. Like they don't have a stressful life. But when we say stress, when we're talking about them, we're talking about like somebody comes over or like they're hungry, (laughs) you know, and they don't have any cortisol to help them deal with that um, physiologic, you know, help them go through the physiologic changes they need. And they they need that. And stress is not only a part of life, it's essential for life. Um, So, but it's really hard to think about that when it comes to myself.
0: this is well. This is the interesting thing, right? I feel like humans are the—I won't say the only, but certainly probably the most advanced in harming ourselves because we have such an uh, enlarged frontal lobe, mm. right? We we are the only species that I know of that really tells so many stories about what the stress means <sighs> that we end up hurting ourselves. So you know, I'll, I'll quote Robert Sapolsky, um, and in, he's a I call him the father of stress. I mean, he is an incredible stress researcher. And he, uh, he, he talks about stress as, as meant for three minutes of screaming terror across the savannah, yeah. after which either you're <laughs> dead, right, or the stressful event is over. Yeah. And so, like, lions, for example, lions have an 84%, 83, 84, somewhere in that, um, chance of failing when they, when they hunt. That's a, like, that's a massive failure rate. Yes. And so like they, they had this they have this massive stress response of like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I gotta go hunt and then they hunt and they fail. And
1: it's like And wah, immediately wah.
0: yeah, <laughs> immediately what they do is they go to sleep. Right? Yeah. They take a nap. Like humans are like, Oh my god, I failed. What does this mean? How will this affect my family? Will I be able to look I'm just like the worst person in the world and no uh, like ooh most bizarre thing we we use this like classical conditioning response to shock ourselves literally um after we are we're experiencing stress and uh and it's it's such a bizarre relationship but it's mm-hmm. one that i'm working to try and untangle in, in myself and hopefully for others as well
1: so uh, i want to ask you a follow-up question on that that i didn't yeah. prepare you for so but I'm...
0: oh good like um,
1: but I'm thinking about, like, so the lion, you know, is like, okay, everything's into this hunt. Like, I'm all in. And I'm like, you know, running across the savanna trying to catch this, you know, whatever, the yeah. hoofed mammal. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get my geography <laughs> and like, yes. Um, I, and, and then it fails and they're like, oh, never mind. We'll try again tomorrow. Like, we could be hungry. Why and they go to sleep. Yeah. yeah. But like, and that, you know, hoofed mammal. Is also like, oh my God, like what just happened? And then they got (laughs) a rest, right? They're not prepared for like another chewing
0: on something, another
1: chase at that moment. They need to like chill out. And probably if somebody else were to chase them right then, they would probably be dead because they're tired. And for us, we know enough, like we're logical enough to say, okay, I'm actually stressed out because I forgot to send an email. And it's not like an email saying, please don't come to my house and kill me. It's an email being like, I will get back to you about this next week. Right. And so logically, we know that this is not a life or death situation. But is our stress response the same? Or have, yes. have we learned as a species to modulate that?
0: No, (laughs) that—that is when when I talked about recalibrating the stress response. That whole first half of my talk is dedicated to exactly what you just hit on. Mm. Every single stress response we have is built for life and death. Like it's putting (laughs) us into that. It's like it's a tiger. That email. That ping. That ping. That ping. That makes me want to burn my email inbox. (laughs) <laughs> because our stress response—I mean, you, you all know this. Like, it's stress is a, is a highly conserved hormone. Like cortisol is—you see cortisol in fish. You know, yeah. and you're looking at this really ancient response to predation, essentially, um, and, and major stressful events. So, one of the, the reframes that I tell people is, is like, when that email comes in to go. <sighs> it's not a tiger. right? This, <laughs> yeah. is, this is not actually going to kill and eat me. But it, you know, the logic part shuts down under stress, mm. which is, you know, not super helpful to us. We're right. having that fight flight response, fight flight freeze response. And we're going, I got to email the hit the reply <laughs> all to everybody. And oh, my God, I just sent that. Oh, when I do, you know, it's, it, it facilitates further stress. And we end up in these you know, very higher baseline levels mm. of, of cortisol um, with less acute um, uh, responses to it because we're already operating at such a high level um, throughout the day that <laughs> any little thing will trigger us and send us over the edge.
1: That makes so much sense, and it also
0: <laughs> yeah. it, and it
1: also makes me feel like a little anxious about going back to my email after I, this. No, I'm but
0: sorry. <laughs>
1: but. That also explains why, like, if you're tired or you've just had a fight with someone or whatever, like yeah. you're you're less able to modulate that response before you go into that email inbox because your cortisol's already like
0: me and yes, your resources exactly are it. depleted. That's exactly it. You've nailed it. You've yeah. nailed it. Yeah. So, well, so do like lion's do. Go take a nap. Yes. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to try to explain so, that. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I'm so sorry because I, I do tend to do this before I give solutions. I like stress people out about their own stress. I'm like, wait, wait. I'm doing the opposite thing that I'm supposed to be doing. It's okay. Stress you, you can not, be good. Yeah, exactly. It can help us it find solutions. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. It, and it can. Yeah.
1: This AHA podcast is brought to you by CareCredit. CareCredit understands that all veterinary teams are busier than ever. To help patients get the care they need, the CareCredit Health and Pet Care Credit Card allows clients to access a budget-friendly financing experience anytime from anywhere on their own smart device. They can learn, see if they pre-qualify, apply, and even pay if approved, all on that smart device. With just a tap they have a friendly contactless way to pay over time for the services and treatments their pet needs whether it be a general referring or specialty hospital as long as they accept the care credit credit card well and I don't know if you're familiar with the fear free um, you know uh, certification and fear free like teaching um, fear free is a program you know that helps um, veterinary professionals learn how to um, create less stress um, and provide a more calm experience for animals and their owners at the vet. And there are other programs, too, that are wonderful. And I just love the whole theory behind that. I don't think I could work at a hospital where that wasn't the culture anymore, because it's so much easier on us not to see our patients freaking out. Um, No kidding. But one of the things that we talk about when we're talking to clients, like not every client understands why it's important to give, say, your gabapentin to your cat before the visit. Because they're like, why can't you just get it done? Like, I can't pill him. I don't know how to do this. Like, I forgot to give it to him. And we always tell them it's because the cat can't doesn't know that we're not about to kill it the cat thinks every time it goes in that carrier, like there's a good chance that this could be like the last thing it ever sees. And they, we can't explain to them that all we're going to do is like trim their nails, you know? Right. (laughs) And, but you're basically saying that we're the same, (laughs) Yeah, that's even though we know we're the same.
0: (laughs) Well, and here's, here's why, right? You, you have 400 billion bits of information coming at you every single second. That's like, Think about it, 400 billion bits of information every single second and the brain can't process all of it. So what does mm. it do? It just passes most of it along to our subconscious, to process. Uh-huh. So all of those ancient, you know, instinct stories, shortcuts that helped us to survive for all those years. They're like, oh, here's how you handle it. Enormous stress response. You know, that's ex- you, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Fantastic. So, so really <laughs> it's about rewiring that ancient portion of our brain because we know cognitively, but we don't have the time in the day to go, wait a second. This mm-hmm. isn't a tiger. It's just a ping. It's just a ding. How do I process that information when, you know, 399 billion other things are coming at me? Yeah, um, yeah.
1: That, that makes sense. Our forebrain is more of a slow twitch muscle there. <laughs>
0: very um, slow. Very yeah. Slow for, for all the good that it does us. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Well, so then we're trying to overcome um, thousands of years of biology uh, in order exactly. to not freak out when we get an un, unexpected email from our boss, and right. exactly. <laughs> cool, cool, that's no yeah. big deal. So no we deal. hear, yeah. So we hear a lot about um, self care, like yoga, meditation, things you know, eating right, and getting out yeah. for a walk in the morning. Things that can sort of help to like make you a little bit more zen. Is mm-hmm. any of that? going to help with the rewiring or do we need other methods to do that?
0: Uh, Everything will help. Yes. Mm. Um, And and. I think I, yes, and uh, all of those things are super important, right? And meditation in particular. I, I was definitely one of those person, one of those people who was like, "Meditation? That's yeah, so woo woo. That's like, ah." Uh. And then, of course, I I read the research and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I need this in my life." <laughs> yeah. know, it's it's crazy powerful. People like just yeah. giving you that space to respond and and the rewiring that happens. Like literally, you shrink your amygdala when you meditate for twenty minutes a day. For eight weeks, you like wow. it's insane, and you grow your frontal lobe. So, I mean, that's that's from a Harvard study. I, I want to say it's two thousand three. I can find it for you for show notes. Um, but like, really, really powerful. So, I mean, that that can work, um, and I think that in combination with some of the other uh, more active rewiring is probably the most powerful. So, I I talk a lot about stress inoculation. Um, which you all are familiar It's giving, give yourself the vaccine for stress, yeah. which means oh, only just like, <laughs> oh gosh, right? Well, there kind of is though. That's the fun thing the the, the bad thing about the stress response is that it's so generalized, right? We get it for the emails of the tigers. Mm-hmm. The good thing about the stress response is that it's so generalized. So actually training yourself to respond a little bit less under certain stressors, um, is really good at tamping down the entire stress response. So I will often challenge people to do what I call fearless challenges. Um, and it can be as simple as, you know, walking down the street and giving a stranger a compliment. i like, that sounds a little bit like, Ooh, I don't know. Oh, I think that would be easy, but if you put yourself in a situation and then you go try it and you might have this little flutter of your heart, like what will they do? What will they say? What's going to, that's stress. That is literally your stress response going, they might reject me. Oh my gosh. If they reject me, if I get kicked out of this tribe, I'm going to die because I live with 20 other people. No, no, No. that's not the environment I live in. I'm totally safe. (laughs) Even if they reject me, like I'm cool. Everything is safe. Um, And so it's, it's kind of this catching up of our ancient brain to the modern world. So, um, you know, there's, I've got probably 300 discomfort challenges that are safe forms of discomfort to elicit a stress response um, in a way that we know isn't going to kill us, isn't going to harm us, isn't going to bring anything but probably smiles to people's faces, Um, but still gets us kind of into that space where we can retrain our brain and layer down some things that our brain says, Oh, interesting. I had a stress response and I didn't die today, Right? (laughs) So so that when discomfort begins to find us and we're not seeking it, we've got new patterns, new neural pathways. For that to go instead of going immediately to this is the worst thing ever and I'm going to die. It's like oh I I know what this means and it's okay I'm I'm still safe. That Mm. ping of that email isn't isn't going to kill me this time.
1: So you're kind of training your brain to tell itself a different story. Exactly.
0: I mean it's this is it's just classical conditioning. Mm -hmm. One of my I'll, I'll tell this. It's kind of a sad story, but one of my favorite experiments of all time, and I won't get into the epigenetic part of it, but they they took male rats um, and classically conditioned them with a uh, cherry blossom scent. So they'd spray cherry blossoms and they'd shock the rats. And unsurprisingly, very quickly, they developed a conditioning experience with, uh, with the cherry blossom smell. So They could spray cherry blossom and these rats would display fear behavior. Their cortisol would go through the roof and they'd shake. And one of the things that struck me about this experiment um, is that <laughs> we are both the rats in this case, And the people administrating the shock, um, we're smelling cherry blossoms everywhere in our Mm. emails, in our, in our day-to-day interactions with strangers, um, in that angry clients we're, we're smelling these, this thing that isn't going to kill us is not going to hurt Like being rejected, failing, all of those things aren't, aren't actually going to give us shocks unless we do it to ourselves. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, that rewiring is pretty important. Yeah, that's pretty crazy that like the
1: rats didn't even need to be shocked after a certain point because their bodies just responded
0: exactly the same. And no, here's the craziest bit of this. I got I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I no, have, I don't tell yeah. the end of the story. The end of the story is that these these male mice were then mated to female mice who had never smelled cherry blossoms, never been exposed to the shock. And the pups of those mice, when they smelled cherry blossoms, would shake and shiver what? Oh! <laughs> so, this is literal like epigenetic transference of fear. Um, oh my God. Through, isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, you think about trauma getting passed along from generation to generation. Um, we've had immense traumas passed along from our ancestors that we're still shaking over today for, for no good reason. Wow. Isn't that crazy? I love that study so much. <laughs> yeah. My head just exploded.
1: Like I can't even, uh, I can't even process how that, how that works or like the magnitude of what that means. Um, the
0: implications on that. Is, yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah. I mean, especially when you think about like all, you know, our our work in DEIB and, um, mm-hmm. and groups mm-hmm. that have historically accumulated a lot of trauma that's been passed down. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Well, um that is a a really interesting study and also you know it it, i'm assuming that what you're saying is it works the other way that we can train ourselves not to administer the shock when we smell the cherry blossoms
0: and so yes and teach us (laughs) to
1: to develop another a different reaction
0: the very important follow-up study yes Mm -hmm. is that those those pups were able to be uh Uninduced—that's not the right word, but mm. but retrained, deconditioned, mm. deconditioned, reconditioned. De-conditioned. re-conditioned. <laughs> some, some cognitive behavioral. There be yeah, like, that is not the correct term, but I think you guys know what I'm saying. Yeah,
1: yeah, we do. Uh,
0: yeah, <laughs> to to allow to allow them to escape that that behavior. So yeah, really, and cool. not pass and not pass that trauma onto the next generation,
1: which yeah. is wild. Yeah. 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 I think we're hearing a lot right now in veterinary medicine about the power of the story. I mean, it seems like it's this mm. like storytelling and the power of stories is really becoming something that people are getting more used to talking about. And I know mm-hmm. I'm sort of a you know I'm a liberal arts kid, so <laughs> I, I love storytelling. I love fiction and I love you yeah. know speaking and and oral storytelling. And I work for somebody you know Jessica Vogel, saying uh, is also mm-hmm. a big fan of the story. So there's a lot of storytelling at AHA. Um, right now, but so my perception might be a little bit skewed. But do you feel like the idea of storytelling and the power that it carries? Do you feel like that's becoming a little bit more something we're comfortable with thinking about?
0: Yes, I and I'm so grateful for it because I yeah. think so often, you know, science and storytelling have always been compatible. Mm -hmm. but I don't think we've always seen them that way. I mean, you know, we're talking about liberal arts and science and, Mm -hmm. and, and, um, and when we look at like, I'll give it, I'll give a study that I, I won't give the one that I'll use in my keynote. I'll I'll give a different one. Um, there's a, there's a study on stress and health from 2012 and it looked at 20,000 people and their mortality rates, um, based on stress and the perception that their stress impacts their health. So, Did they tell the story that their high levels of stress impacted their health? And the results were absolutely shocking. So individuals that perceived that their stress affected their health and had high stress died at a significantly um, higher rate, had higher mortality. However, those that had the highest level of stress but didn't tell the story that stress was bad for their health actually had higher survivability than those people that had very low stress, which like Hmm. hurts my head a little bit. So people aren't dying of stress. They're dying of the story that stress is bad for them.
1: That's crazy.
0: That's isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah. Story story is incredibly powerful. And so the stories that we tell, am I good? Am I bad? Am I worthy? Am I enough? Am I, am I this? Am I that? Do I have enough time? I mean, that's a big mm. one, time scarcity, mm-hmm. right? Um, another study, and again, I'll, I'll pull all these references for people that want them, but another study looked at people um, trying to solve puzzles, and they told one group, you have plenty of time to solve this puzzle. Not, not an issue, okay? Take your time, you got this. And they told the other group, you will not be able to solve this problem, this puzzle in, in the amount of time that we're giving you. And so they created some time scarcity. And of course, the two groups were given the exact same amount of time, But the ones who were told the story that they'd have plenty of time finished it. And those that didn't, didn't. I mean, at a significant, significant level of of difference. Um, So, you know, be really aware of the stories that you tell because those stories so often become your reality.
1: Hmm that makes me look differently at, um, at things like affirmations, which I, I like you as a big meditation skeptic. I know, and we, oh my gosh. <laughs> we've had a couple of people on the podcast, like, um, Patty Casebolt last year, um, uh-huh. and a couple of other people who really have talked about meditation. Um, Patty talked about the same study you did where your brain can transform after, you know, eight weeks of meditating <laughs> regularly. And, um, and all of that kind of like eventually added up. And so I, I've I'm on day 150 of my Insight Timer streak. Yeah, that's very, awesome. Congratulations. Very excited about that. Thanks. Insight Timer yeah. has a free version, so anybody listening who's like I don't want to pay for Headspace, like I go. love Headspace, but it does cost money. Insight Timer has a free version, so and uh, we even have some there are some veterinary specific meditations on there. Um, nice. Yeah, shout nice. out to Melissa Allen for that. Oh, um, that's so cool. Okay. But I I the idea of like looking in the mirror, for instance, or like having a post-it on the mirror that you have to like mm-hmm. repeat to yourself or the meditations yeah. on Insight Timer that have affirmations where you're supposed to repeat things like, I am supported. <laughs> I, you know, I trust my That's intuition, it. that kind of thing. It feels so odd oh, to me. And I know, I know. And yet you're saying that like, if we do that over and over and we, we might actually really start to believe that and that could have an actual physiologic
0: effect on our health. It's yes. yeah. The short answer is yes. And I I know because I am the exact same skeptic. I actually have a course. I created a course called manifesting for skeptics and scientists, right? Because like, I'm like, I love that. I'm in. I'm not going to do that. That is garbage. And then I was like, oh gosh, there's, there's actual, there's actual science here. Holy smokes. Um, and, and so much of that is, um, is like you said the story the story you tell the other I'll get here here's a good one that, that can that relates directly to physiology for you physio nerds out there. So um identical milkshakes. This is the milkshake study. It's one of my favorites. Identical milkshakes. We tell one group of people you're going to drink the indulgent shake, right? 520 calories. It's oh it's rich. It's gonna be delicious. You tell the other group, this is the diet shake. It's the sensible shake, you know, no no problems. Um and of course, they're identical in calories on all the things. Um, and you have the same people sample them um, about a week apart. And unsurprisingly, the indulgent shake is rated as tasting better and all of this. But here's the crazy thing. When people drink the indulgent shake, their ghrelin levels, so that, that hormone level, that hunger hormone level, plummeted and stayed low. Whereas those that drink the sensible shake, their ghrelin levels didn't significantly change. So the story they told about whether, oh gosh, this is going to be such a, I'm going to be so full. I, I talk about sparring with yourself, right? The stories change your physiology, which changes your actions, which changes your results. And that's the secret. You want to talk about manifesting, like that's the secret. It's the story that you tell is changing your physiology, which changes how you you know, react to the world or show up in the world. And that changes your results. So um, yeah, I, I think there's, I think there's a lot to that um, manifesting stuff. The, uh, okay, wait, one, one more, one more quick story. So okay. you, let me, I'll, I'll turn the question on you. Okay. Have you ever been in love? Yes. Okay. So for the first week that you fell in love or you met this great person, it doesn't have to be when you, when you initially fell in love, but when you met that person, that kind of like, you could have had the worst week at work. It could have been pouring on you and you're just kind of like, Oh, life yeah! it is amazing. Everything is good. You're like checking your text. You get that dopamine hit all day. Totally. Why? Like nothing changed. It's yeah. just the story that we're telling. Like we can create this honeymoon effect yeah. right, for our lives anytime we want. But sometimes yeah. it takes a trigger, like, oh gosh, I just fell in love and I'm just like thinking about love and I'm thinking about the positive things in life. And so you see all of the positive things in life. Rather than constantly being drawn to the snakes, tigers, lions, and bears, oh my, that our brain naturally gets drawn towards. So you know, sex and survival—that's what our—that's what our brain is is all about, right? Um, yeah. And so, like, I, I hate to break it down to those like very simple terms, but if you can focus a little bit more on the sex slash happiness slash right? like the good things in life. In the end, we're all rats, right? <laughs> In the end, we're all rats. I mean, isn't that the great take-home message today? Right? Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, being able to focus on some of the more positive things. I am enough. You are enough. Like, I feel good. Rebecca, you're amazing. You got this. Those create that kind of honeymoon effect that um, that change our physiology and change our, our results.
1: Wow. So <laughs> It's so powerful, yeah, and, and um, feels like like maybe magic is real just a little bit, you know, cause it feels like, I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. It just, just because there's an explanation for it physiologically, doesn't make it feel any less like magic. Um.
0: I know. I, <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I realized this studying birds. Um, for the, this was, this was a major realization for me because I have always been kind of a very logic driven, very science. If science can't explain it, then it, it's not real. Right. Yeah. The magic it's garbage. Yeah. And I remember for the first time, seeing a budgie, little budgery under UV light and I was like, oh my goodness, there's all these spots and the magnificent colors and like, and they're a very drab looking bird from the outside, but you put them under UV and I was like, birds see that? What else, <laughs> what else am I missing? What tools, just because I can't see it or taste it or touch it or experience it doesn't mean that it's not real. Doesn't mm-hmm. mean it doesn't exist. It just means mm-hmm. I don't have the tool to quite see it as such. Yeah. So that's that's kind of created the magic for me that, that allows me to have that hold that space to say, oh, just because I I don't understand how it happens or why it happens doesn't yeah. mean it's not happening. Yeah.
1: Well, I love that, and and I have <laughs> I got this button for myself when I was taking my acupuncture certification because that's how I feel about acupuncture. Is like oh, cool. it feels like magic, and there there are physiologic. <laughs> effects happening and physiologic explanations for why it works, but, um, yep. but you don't necessarily have to understand them to see the benefits. And um, so I got this little button It says, there's a bit of magic in everything. Because to I me, it felt like it was a reconciliation between the part of my brain that wants evidence for mm-hmm. everything and the part of my brain that fully believes that we cannot ever completely understand everything. Um, and that, what fun it. would that be, right? Yeah,
0: absolutely. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Getting comfortable in that ambiguity, I think, is is a really tough thing to do. But yeah,
1: yeah, but it's a it's a happy place once you're there. I think. Um, Yeah. So (laughs) it's like kind of it makes you feel like the world has like limitless potential, which it does. And so so do
0: you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but that's you know. So I have one more question before we wrap up because I know that there are a lot of people in the profession right now, as you say, who are um, feeling like they're a little bit broken or their environment is a little bit broken or very broken and they feel stuck and trapped yeah. and simply telling them to tell, tell themselves a different story is probably, you know, even if that yeah. would eventually work, it's going to um, be difficult to want to adopt when you feel like there's so many circumstances out of your control that are not changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I'm wondering like in a situation like that, um, you know, are there daily or regular exercises that you can do, or um, mm-hmm. habits that you can adopt that will kind of help you work through those tough situations? that You can't always just leave.
0: Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you a my three, two, one lift off. Um, mm. This is this is the technique that I, I use when I was probably in my my darkest space. Um, three, two, one. So three minutes is uh, to acknowledge the stressor. I think so often we try and push it aside. We try and ignore it. We're like, oh, it's just, if I just ignore it enough or if I drown myself in alcohol or work or sex or the next person or the next whatever that thing is that you just are using to escape or yoga. I mean, listen, it can be healthy things too, right? Yeah. Like I'm running. just going to yoga this. I'm going to yoga yes. this. I'm running. Yeah. <laughs> yoga this away. Um, take three minutes and stress the heck out of it. Like Think about it. Just let allow yourself to feel all those feelings. Um, you know, I often tell people like, it's like trying to <laughs> try to say, don't think about pink elephants right now. Yeah. That's impossible. Stop it. Don't yeah. <laughs> stop it. Why are you doing that? You know, and we're doing the exact same thing. So name it, you know, name it to tame it, name it, understand it, worry the heck out of it for three minutes. What that's going to do is that's going to get you past that initial surge of, of cortisol. Right now we've, <laughs> we've survived the, the three minutes of screaming terror across the savannah. Our next step is to give our power back to our parasympathetic nervous system, back to our conscious brain. So we're going to take two deep breaths. And I, I teach a physiological sigh, which is simply de- breathing deeply through our nose, sipping in that last little bit of oxygen when you don't think you can take any more in, go, <laughs> right, really oh, <laughs> Holding it for two counts and then releasing through your mouth. So two breaths. So we've got three minutes of, of worrying. Two breaths to bring yourself back into that parasympathetic space. And then one question. Start getting curious. Ask any question. It can be about yourself. It can be about a reflective piece. It can be about the situation. It can be literally any question because what you're doing is you're kicking yourself out of fear and into curiosity. Curiosity and fear cannot coexist in the brain. It's this incredible little, there's no mechanism for it. Because for two hundred thousand plus years, nobody ever looked at the charging tiger and went, huh, I wonder how fast it's coming. Right? Like, right. like you don't get curious. <laughs> you don't get curious when you're under a lot of stress, which is, you know, problematic. But we can use that to our advantage if we know about that, to go, oh, if I can just be curious in this moment, it'll force my brain to get back online. So start asking questions in those moments. And that might take you down a path and 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 again take action on those on those curiosities. Um I think often we get paralyzed in in fear, which is just a freeze response, right? We talk about fight and flight. We often don't talk about freeze. Same reaction. You're just, you're frozen. You don't want to take an action. It could be wrong. What if it's wrong? And then we have a whole other stress response over that. Then you'll know. Good. Then you're, then you're no, you're no worse off. You're just back where you started. Take another path until it feels wrong. Um, so curiosity really allows us to, to move within stress and not get stuck into that, into that space where we do feel like we can't we can't budge.
1: That's really interesting. I've never heard anybody um, talk about that technique before. And I really love that. And we are, Thanks. as a group, um, veterinary professionals are very curious, typically. And so there it is. But I'm sure, you know, it's very difficult for that curiosity to coexist when you feel like you're just in survival mode, like get through each day. Um, so I really love that. Be curious.
0: Yeah. Be curious. Awesome.
1: <laughs> well, Dr. Rebecca Heiss, Thank you so much for spending this time. Um, and I even if you had said your whole keynote this time, it's gonna be a completely different experience on the stage <laughs> at Aha Con. So um I know we touched on some elements of it, but I have absolutely no doubt that it's gonna be magical and wonderful and um and and really a, a fantastic experience so i'm really excited oh, thank for you. that
0: well plenty plenty more stories to come excellent um, and if i can get my own stress under control about this yeah it's going to be
1: great <laughs> well your passion for this for this material and um and for helping people understand this better um it really comes through you know it comes through the screen so in person is going to be going to be terrific <laughs> um where can people find out more about you more about your work i know you have a book so
0: i do i have a book um sitting behind me uh, called instinct. You can certainly read that if you want. You can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and your local bookshop, hopefully. Um, My website is Rebecca com. My Instagram, which is probably the most active is Dr. Rebecca Heiss. Just Dr. Rebecca Heiss, I was going to say.com. And all of my courses can be found on Dr. Rebecca Heist. So yeah, I'm very reachable. Please don't hesitate to reach out, ask me questions, find me. Um, I'm, I'm here to help truly. So don't, don't be shy.
1: You can't get away from us now. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's
1: great. I I look forward to it. All right. Well, thank you so much. And and we'll put uh, links in the show notes. Um, If I miss any, then, and there's something that Rebecca talked about that she'd like to know more about, just hit me up. Um, My email is podcast at aha.org. You can always ask me any questions um, that you want me to pass on to any of our guests. And I know Rebecca is one of the most responsive and excited and enthusiastic guests that we've ever had. And I I love it. So um, I will be happy to to relay messages if you have any and for those of you who will get to see her again we'll see you in san diego thanks so much for listening rebecca thank you and we will catch you next time on central line thanks for listening to today's episode of central line the
0: aha podcast if you love what you hear please take a moment to leave us a rating and review for more resources to help you simplify your journey towards excellence in veterinary medicine
1: we invite you to visit aha.org That's A-A-H-A dot O-R-G.